All right, let's start the show. First things first, I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Going to be a trippy episode. So if you are the kind of person that gets uncomfortable with topics that kind of make you feel some type of way, um, I might skip this episode and jump to others. It's going to be a trippy episode, I promise you, because just everything that I've read leading to this episode has been trippy. People always ask me, you know, what are my vices? I don't have much. My books... Books are my vices. I think that a good book, a well-written book can affect your mind and make you feel just as high as any drug. I'm a firm believer of that. So what, what we're going to talk about on this episode today is going to be, uh, it's going to be topics that are unconventional. They are sort of, um, we're going to kind of break things apart, traditional beliefs that people hold, or I should say have been imposed on people that restrict the mind. So if you're not quite ready for that, please, this is maybe not going to be the episode for you. So disclaimer, let me start by saying disclaimer number two, I'm not an authority figure. Sometimes I speak with um, a manner that seems authoritative. It's just the way I talk, but understand that everything I'm about to say are not absolutes. They are theories. As the tagline on my TikTok channel now says, it's theories and stories. You take from me and the information presented what you will. Take what sits right with your intuition and discard what doesn't. Yeah, I am not here to convince anybody that what I think or what I have to say is the absolute truth. I don't think we live in a reality where there's any such thing as an absolute truth. I think when people find themselves down rabbit holes, they get lost. I think that's a function of the simulation. I think that (laughs) anybody who actually figures out just precisely what is going on in the simulation causes the the simulation to shift. I, I do believe that this reality is not fixed. And if you're wondering what I mean by the simulation, well... I doubt you'd be listening to this podcast, but premise here is we are operating from the stance that, you know, that the the simulation hypothesis, we're taking that for granted and we're building up from that. Okay. So that's kind of what we talk about now on, on the podcast, your one black friend. Okay. So I'm not an expert. Please understand that any person who professes to be an expert and any person who speaks in absolutes and says, this is absolutely the way, this is absolutely the truth, this is absolutely right, this is the only path, be fucking leery of any individual that presents themselves in that way. Be leery. Because please understand that for any expert that says, this is right. Another expert, another authority can present themselves or can be presented saying that the exact opposite is true. There are no absolutes in this reality. I want you to kind of stay with that. So that means then that everybody, everything that you have learned and have been told by so-called expert inherently has built into it lies. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that literally everything we've been told about the nature of this reality, about history, about calendars, about time, about why things are named the way they're named, about what holidays are practiced and why, and just the reason for certain things, 
you might as well just take all that shit and and throw it away. It's fucking lies. They're all lies. The entire system is a construct and it's meant to keep as many people as possible believing in a particular perception of reality or as Timothy Leary calls it, a reality tunnel. I don't know if I like the word tunnel. I'll call it a reality channel. I like that better. Reality channel. So there is a consensus reality channel that from birth, when you enter into the simulation, everyone in society, from your parents to your loved ones, family members and friends, the media, the clerics, your teachers, they all show you this version, this channel. This is a reality channel. And that's everything that you've kind of accepted as truth and you've sort of taken for granted as truth. The older you get. And I think something has actually changed um, fundamentally with the, with the reality, with the, with the nature of reality itself has shifted. Because I don't know if this is this statement that I'm about to make was always true. But the older I am getting, the more I'm starting to realize like every fucking thing we've been taught from jump is a fucking lie. The fact that the calendar, Gregorian calendar, is a lie, it's based on one, per, one reality channel, right? The Roman Catholic Church that built the entire sort of system that we date our entire lives according to on a religion that's essentially a cult, Remember I said this not this this episode is not for anyone. So this is these are the sort of things that we're going to be talking about. They're going to be borderline sacrilegious. If you're not ready for this, if you're going to be offended, if your ego cannot handle and you're already feeling some type of way, click off. If you're not ready for it, click off. You gone? Are they gone? All right, let's keep going. Um everything is a lie. There are people with power And the way they maintain power is by blinding you to your own power. That's it. Very simple. I came into this world butt naked and screaming like a baby. So the day. So that any individual that you see on the news or you see on the TV that has set themselves up as a an authority figure. What right do they have to rule over you? I, I put out a video where I was talking about how my great-grandfather was a king, FMI king of the Benin kingdom. He was one of many kings. Um, each clan had their own king. If you've seen Vikings, more or less the same sort of cultural themes, the cultural structure sort of echo. So I had a couple of people I had a couple of people comment, well that means that you're a princess. Yes I am. But it doesn't mean anything to me. It's just another label. Because at the end of the day, what does that serve me? How does that serve me in America beyond boosting my ego and inflating me, inflating my avatar to this like overall sense of self importance that does not help me function where I, and how I'm trying to function. Two, bear in mind the kings, in order for an individual to say, I am a king, said king had to basically say, right? If I sat in front of you and I said, I am a king, what I'm, in de- what I'm indirectly saying is I am born to rule, right? So they say that, born to rule. That's what the royal family says, right? The sun kings. 
God on earth. They're born to rule. What they're not saying indirectly is that you're born to serve. And the way I perceive things, we are all the same collective consciousness having various experiences occupying different avatars. So if my consciousness happens to be born or occupying the form of an avatar who genetically can link its lineage back, and when I say it, I'm actually talking about my body. I'm talking about the avatar Joe. Can link its lineage back to human beings who felt that they should dominate other people. That's not something that I put a lot of pride in. I'm grateful for the historical elements of it, but it stops there. Um, I'm grateful for the cultural elements of it, but once again, it stops there. Take that and expand it. I'm reading, just finished reading Cosmic Trigger 3. Um, I've actually been kind of obsessed with um, Robert Anton Wilson. I think I mentioned him in the last episode, and I've read and reread all three of his books, uh, the Cosmic Trigger series, uh, at least twice. And I'm probably going to read them again. Um, And then I'm going to jump into his other books. Uh, As I said in the previous episode, if if that's not... If you are sort of operating on or if you're comfortable in a reality channel, right, the consensus reality channel that accepts the world at face value, I would not recommend that book. But if you're looking to change channels, if if you're watching what's going on, if you're watching the consensus reality channel and you're looking at it and you're saying, you know what, I don't really fuck with this. I don't like this. I don't, it's not my vibe. You're welcome to change the channel. And those three books, the third one started out kind of dull, but I think like halfway into it, it really kicked off. Um, but the first two were amazing. Those three books are great and I can recommend others as well. I also started on a book today, which once again, wouldn't recommend it for other for all people. The book is called Liber or Liber Null and Psychonaut: An Introduction to Chaos Magic. Once again, we say that M word. Some people feel some type of way. The way I see it is this: there was a video that I had done where I had responded to a trending video where the woman had asked, um, a beautiful lady had asked, why didn't magic work against the colonizers if, you know, people of color, melanated people, because this didn't just happen in Africa. She just happened to be an African asking the question, but let's not forget the colonization happened across the entire continent. And so if everybody was magical practitioners, why didn't it work to basically stop and protect melanated people from being colonized? My response was basically this, um, they use the colonizers also had magic. Like I think sometimes when you pigeonhole yourself into a particular belief, you blind yourself from seeing things that otherwise if you kept an open mind, you would be able to see. There's no there's no reason to believe that Europeans 
I should say specifically uh, a particular sex as I don't want to generalize because this runs the risk of becoming sort of racial super fast and I, that's not what I'm trying to do with these sort of topics so I have to be very mindful I'm not generalizing the entire culture please understand that even in Europe there were the Celts there were the Norse right there were the Gaelics um there are the Gauls there are the Anglos there were the Saxons these are all clans these are all clans and also bear in mind that we're, we're, we're approaching or not if not at seven billion human beings this at least in recent history is the largest that there's ever been humans alive at one time. Although there are more dead humans than there are alive throughout history. But this is the largest amount of humans existing or subscribers existing within the the simulation at one time. So understand that way back when, there were only like millions of people. Not billions, millions of people. So every sort of story that we read about, every sort of culture that we read about, like I said, the Celts and the Gauls and the Hausas and the Yorubas and the Igbos and the Edos and, you know, the the Blackfeet and all of that, all of these different clans, right? These were, they're small, right? Small kingdoms. And they sort of organized and sort of, you know, appointed a leader and every person, every clan had their own sort of like function and culture and things like that. So, when I speak of the Europeans, it's a very broad stroke, and that would annoy me the way the same way I get annoyed when people talk about Africans or Africa like it's a country, like there aren't, you know, thousands of different clans, different ethnic groups with their own language, their own belief systems, their own food. Okay, so let's not do the same thing. But the assumption is that only melanated people had their own sort of like spirituality. And that's not true. I mean, if you sit back and you go throughout history, you could see, particularly if you study persecution, you can find that the Celts, for example, in Europe, you know, these are the people who had like the mythology Although we call it mythology now, but to them, it was their religion. But they had the mythology of the fairies, the fae, right? And those that's spirituality. That those They are talking about and communing with entities that are sort of in a different reality than this one, a different reality channel. And they're sort of, they blurred the line with their magical practices and they were persecuted. You have the Druids. They were persecuted, right? Like you go to Stonehenge, you, there's certain parts of the you know, of of Europe where you can feel a very strong spiritual sort of power and energy. And those clans were persecuted. I, mean, I mentioned the Vikings earlier. They're Norse, um, the Norsemen. But you watch that show, like that's magic, that's spirituality, that's paganism, whatever bullshit label you want to put to denigrate it. At the end of the day, that's their religion. And their religion was just as valid as the Christianity, which is just as pagan. I'm sorry, but it is. If you take a bird's... Remember I said this is going to antagonize a few people. I apologize, but you probably should have stopped listening. I gave you an out like 10, 5 minutes ago, yeah? 
Um, I was raised Christian, so I get it. I I can say these things and know that it's going to make some people uncomfortable because if I heard me saying these things 10 years ago, I would have clicked off and I would have been terrified. So that's why I'm saying like, don't come back to this episode when you are ready for it. This is not, if it's not, if it's not feeling right, that's okay. It's not for everybody. And I only want people who are ready for this information to take the information in. I, I certainly don't want to stir any level of like, I don't want to trigger your ego because the ego, once it gets triggered by fear, right? Because of the programming, you're taught, you know, certain things are sacrilegious. You can't say that, or that's heretic. You can't say that. So then the, the ego gets kicked off. And then the person becomes an NPC, which, by the way, I've been playing with this idea. I don't know if you know what an NPC is, but NPC is basically a non-player character. It's something that is it's a label that is used uh, amongst um, people, proponents of simulation theory. And they basically said that not every not every individual that you interact with um is like a conscious being, right? They're actually controlled by the simulation. And some people even have said that they think they're NPCs, which is just goofy. Like an NPC wouldn't even have the self-awareness to ask themselves whether or not they're NPCs, right? But I don't like the term because it can almost turn into a slur, right? When somebody's acting um, like a philosophical zombie where, you know, the they sort of act a particular way, but they're just echoing certain things and like they're not thinking, they're just pure reactionary or they're just like, like the agents, you know, you remember in the Matrix where when um, a person just like gets occupied by the agent and hijacked? Yeah, like that. But I want us to, and I'm actually going to do a video on this. Um, I wonder, can we rebrand an NPC so that we don't dismiss an entire human being? who may just be in a moment in their life where, yeah, at that moment, they're not presently conscious. Because I do think that even conscious people can sometimes fall asleep, can sometimes sort of log off a bit, right? Sometimes get hypnotized. Uh, P.B. Uh, Uspensky wrote about this, right? This guy hung out with Gurdjieff, which was like a... like um. Caucasian mystic and Caucasian in the actual meaning of the word, not European, but Caucasian as in like from like Asia, Russia, like that territory, more like that's where he was from. So the actual literal meaning of the word Caucasian, not like what it has been corrupted into meaning um, now. And uh, and he was, you know, very aware and meditated and very conscious. And then both of them were. But he even wrote in one of his books, Uspensky wrote in one of his books that he just drifted off. Like he tried to stay conscious. And next thing you know, he woke up like back into his body and he was smoking a cigarette. So I think we need to acknowledge that even a, quote, conscious being, right, as opposed to an NPC, can become an NPC under the wrong circumstances, or I guess the right circumstances, depending on how you want to look at it, right? So I would rather redefine the word NPC as not presently conscious with the respect that at any point in time, they can, a consciousness can re-enter or enter into their body. So I don't want to like trigger a situation where certain things I'm saying kind of makes a person turn into an NPC because 
years of systematic like programming makes like overpowers their consciousness and then allows their ego to kind of pop back in as a protective mechanism. So if it's not, if it's not, if you're not feeling it, click off. Okay. But let's go back. So Christianity is a pagan religion. It was born out of a culture thousands of years ago who were deeply superstitious. I've talked about this in previous episodes. It's it's worth repeating in this one. Just going to briefly touch on it. I'm not going to like delve into it. But if you go and you look at what is written and you look at the stories, there's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of like blood magic. There's a lot of like paganism to the point where you're saying particularly like catholics they believe that when they eat the flesh the bread and they drink the blood the wine they are literally eating and drinking the blood and body of their master of their god that's pagan so just because like there is a large you know populace of people who are subscribed to a particular ideology doesn't make it any less of what it is so we can't walk around sort of denigrating like one culture just because it has less subscribers to it than another they're all the same they're all the same so what i said was that um you know the europeans had their own brand of magic um specifically the 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 individuals who were sent out as representatives of particular groups that we are not aware of to approach kings of different cultures around the world and perform a blood magic ritual where they slice their hands, they shake hands, and then they drink each other's blood. I mean, that's, I'm not making this up. I told a personal story of something that my father had witnessed his grandfather do. And then in the comment thread, other people jumped in and it, like people were saying casually like, oh, yeah, that's like blood brotherhood. But like, let's sit. And the reason why people can casually dismiss something so pagan and so clearly ritualistic is because your eyes have been blind to exactly what it is. A majority of people the majority of people don't think that magic is real. But as I've defined in past episode, any attempt to bend reality to your will, by definition, is magic. Some people are just capable of using non-material forces. Please understand when I say non-material forces, understand that what we see matter is only 5%. What what we see on the visible spectrum is only 5% of what is actually there. And your brain and your conscious, I'm sorry, your brain and your senses, what they do is they force your consciousness to perceive reality through a very narrow, limited scope. I guess that's why Timothy Leary called it a tunnel, but it forces you to perceive reality in a very particular and specific manner. But that doesn't mean that what we see is all there is. Clearly, at this point in time, a physicist would tell you the exact same thing, that what we see isn't even like a fraction, is less than a fraction of what there actually is. Okay, so somebody on our the Telegram group had posted uh, a video where CERN is talking about in July, mid-July, they're going to refire the low um, hydrogen collider. 
And then if you go in the comments, people are like, oh, great, we're about to shift into another reality. Everybody take notes, pay attention to the logos because that shit's about to change after July. Um, The first thing I thought of was that's magic. It's very, I mean, you have a group of individuals who strongly believe in something and they are working together and utilizing tools to bend reality to their will. What we're seeing with technology is been has been the greatest demonstration of magic that any modern any human being has witnessed in quote modern history. And when I say modern, I mean all the way back to like the medieval times and beyond like you know, just like within the last like 100,000 years, okay? I understand that earth's Earth's age is like, what, four billion years old? So there might have been other sort of intelligent species occupying this planet that time has sort of erased. So I can just only speak about our history that we are we are told of. I'm not even going to say that we're aware of, that we're told of in the last 100,000 years or so. Um, but we're, we're witnesses. The fact that I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you, listening to me in your house, wherever, the, wherever you are, I don't know. I was going to like cuss for no reason. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck you are? Wherever you are, that's magic. Our ancestors, our elders can fucking imagine this. I mean, not to say that they didn't attempt or didn't communicate. There's been stories I've read of like aboriginals who communicated telepathically with each other. It was embedded in their culture. If they believed that it was possible, it was possible. They knew how to communicate with each other. These are facts, like you can Google it. And we have lost the ability to do that, but it's been replaced by technology. But technology by any other name is just fucking magic. And my favorite quote, I'm going to repeat, author C. Clark, any sufficient technology or any, any reasonably advanced technology is sufficiently indistinguishable from magic. If I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you on a scrying mirror, on a black mirror, and you can hear me, that's that's magic. But ultimately, these are just words and these are just tools. All of these are labels that fall under the definition of humanity's attempt to bend their reality channel to shape reality. Because reality isn't fixed, it's subjective. So any attempt to mold your reality experience to your will is magic. And please believe that shit is real. And please believe that the people who don't want you to believe that is real or the people who are actively using this shit against the collective. Don't have to accept it, but there have been so many books written on the topic that it doesn't, I don't even need to like delve into it. And that's not what this episode is about. Magic is real. I've talked about it on previous episodes too. So we're going to sidestep that. But magic is real. Now, I said all of that to say this, right? Because this is um, an expert. An expert can come around and tell you, because the reason why you don't believe magic is real is because an expert told you that it's not, right? So you have materialists who, listen, you need to understand how this world works, okay? If I am a tenured... There's dogma. Dogma does not only exist in religion. Science has become a a dogma and our PhDs are just priests. That's it. 
the priests of the cult of materialism, they, and in their institutions, right, are fundamentally bound to an, a perception of reality that serves them, a reality channel that serves them, where what you see is all there is. And any free-thinking physicist, any up-and-coming physicist, any up-and-coming astrophysicist, any up-and-coming scientist that may have ideas that differs from what the status quo is within that religion that is modern science, right? That's a cult. It's a practice. That's their reality channel. If I were coming through and I had the mind that I had and an open mind, right? Because there's nothing to say that just because like, you're being taught this is how things are. Of course, most people who are driven to the field of like physics, these are brilliant people, right? Who have a deep desire to understand the nature of our reality. So they're going to have an open mind. They're going to have questions and they're going to want to challenge certain things. But if you look back in history particularly with science, we're going to speak, talk about science specifically, but just in general, any scientist that had tried to come out and speak against what the dogma was, what, what the collective believed, what the institution professed was, was what was, right? I remember there was a quote by this guy, I think in the 40s or 50s, that said some bullshit, like we've learned everything we need to learn now, like the arrogance to say that. Well, the reason why a person like that would say something like that is because that should, that speaks more. That speaks more to how they have been mentally imprisoned. If you believe that you know everything, then yes, you're going to, out of your mouth is going to come out like, I've learned everything I need to learn. That doesn't mean it's true. It's just you saying some shit. And at the time that that individual made that statement, he was an expert. Remember I said, be mindful of experts. Or they came here butt naked and afraid the same way you did. Or they entered the simulation butt naked and screaming the same way you did. Any, any expert that can come out and say, this is good, you can now find another expert from the opposite end saying, this is not good. So please keep that in mind. That's why it's always encouraged, for example, when you go to a doctor, that's an expert, in health to go seek a second and a third opinion because at the end of the day an expert is only presenting their opinion but they're doing it with such force and they're saying it with such absolutes like they're speaking in such like absolutes that you forget that that's only a glorified fucking opinion now free thinking individuals that find themselves in science in the field of science are met. This is repeatedly. This has repeatedly been talked about. That they're met by. They're met by their heads, of their you know, uh, department, and they're discouraged from researching or talking about things that fall outside of what is accepted. Which is stupid. Because how can you say that you're science and you are in search of any and all possible explanation to try to understand reality, but then you restrict individuals who are wanting to sort of explore different aspects of reality that may not be material. If you don't think that's happening, you're not, you're not really aware of what's going on. These are institutions. So the institution, the function of the institution is to maintain the status quo. The, the function of an, any institution, school, 
universities, marriage is an institution. The function of any institution is to maintain a status quo. Prison, the function of any institution is to maintain a status quo. So their job, the job of an institution is to whip into line anything that attempts to deviate from what is held as normative. And the dominating field of study right now is materialism. The the dominating belief system right now is materialism. So that's why you have an author like Brian Greene, I actually talked about him in one of my videos where he comes out in his books and you could tell he doesn't quite believe the shit that he's saying, but he's speaking like a politician where he first says in one, one chapter of his book, I don't remember the book right now, it doesn't matter, but um, he says in one chapter of his book, I have done a video on it, though. So if you're interested, go to my TikTok or my YouTube. But he says in one chapter of his book that if you walk into a situation and you see that there is order, right? If you walk, like if you come out of your room, if you come out of your shower and you see the fog in your shower arranged to a perfect cube, do not dismiss it as a statistical fluke. That is a sign of intelligence, some sort of intelligence organization, intelligent organization. Something is, has acted upon what was supposed to be chaos and has made it ordered. That is a representation of something that has sort of made it ordered, right? There's an intelligence. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying. But he is saying that as a physicist who cannot really speak he he can't really come out and say that this is like this means that this world because everywhere you look there's fucking order but it goes against what the institution teaches that we're moving towards a state of disorder but yet everywhere you look is highly ordered so he starts off saying if you walk into a situation and you see like something is ordered it did not happen like do not accept do not accept the explanation that it happened as, you know, randomly. That's not that's not how shit works, right? Like if you walk into my studio and you see paintings everywhere, right? Um, and you ask, well, how did it happen? And I said a statistical fluke occurred, which caused all of these paintings to spring into life. It takes more like that's magic, what you're basically telling me. It takes more <laughs> it takes more sort of like energy, I guess. Um, to believe that everything happened, like my paintings just emerged out of the ether than to just simply like Occam's razor it and say like, no, I, you painted it. Like I'm an artist, I painted it. It's the simplest explanation for that. But because science has has basically set themselves as directly, you know, diametrically opposed to Christianity and religion, he cannot outright say that, this world was designed, even though that's the most simple explanation. So then he carries on the next chapter to basically say, well, some experts believe that in order for this world to have happened the way it happened, there was a statistical fluke that occurred that then triggered the order that we see. And it, it was just so convoluted and like like mind-blowing that I stopped reading because I was just like, you're insulting my intelligence and the intelligence of all your all your readers. I, I respect and understand where he's coming from because throughout history, any any scientist, these are facts. Look up what happened to Timothy Leary, Dr. Timothy Leary, who just tried to experiment with LSD, something that we are now starting to find on small doses can 
do everything that he was saying it can do in controlled studies in the 70s. And look what they did to that man. He ended up in jail. Any person, even a scientist who comes out and and speaks against the institution and what the institutions profess is the status quo, the status belief. Any individual that comes out and says, no, I don't think this is right. They lose their careers. Sometimes they lose their freedom and they end up in jail. These are facts. So I don't blame him, a man who has a career and has, you know, respect of people um, and his peers and some level of, you know, I say Brian Green and um, people know who he is, right? I don't expect him to be so bold. Like the higher up you get, the more cautious you become about rocking the boat because the system is set up in a way to preserve the status quo. So when you're reading his book, you kind of have to read between the lines. But most people aren't reading his book to read between the lines. So they're missing what he's saying because he's kind of speaking in riddles. <laughs> like, And I get it. Like you think about the Giordano like Bruno's, right? And and what happened to him? And this was like 16, was a 1600, something like that, 1500s, they burnt this dude. That has not changed except instead of burning people, they just like call you a heretic or call you a metaphysics. Uh, you know what I mean? Like say, no, whatever you're talking about is metaphysics. That's not real science. They dismiss you. They they put in whatever effort and energy they need to do to discredit you and maintain the status quo. So you have doctors like Dean Radin who are coming out and saying, no, this is actually happening, but they're being told, he's being told that that's not real science. But I would argue that a doctor who's willing to look outside of the confines of what we're told to look at and to to examine and explore non-material reality is more brave than any scientist who is not doing that, any material scientist. And more and more, like Lex Friedman, you're starting to see that there's, you're seeing that, okay, this is a scientist, but he's starting to push the envelope a bit where you can tell that he's like trying to say things, but he's also being very careful and has to like do the kind of dance, you know? I don't really have that much to lose. Like I just, all I have is like you guys listening on the podcast and like my tick, you know, TikTok channel, right? But I'm still very mindful. Like the, the three videos, the last three videos that I put out where I'm talking about magic, I was very mindful of putting those videos out. I almost like didn't put them out because... If my entire, even this episode, if my entire sort of like, you know, all my videos, uh, my followings are sort of built on, at least on TikTok, on me talking about like quantum physics and the nature of our reality. And it's very sort of science, you know, left, left brain kind of stuff. If I start to incorporate things like magic, and I, I did, I got a lot of comments, a couple of comments, not a lot, actually, let me clarify that, who were saying this is metaphysics or like prove it or whatever. And of course, I always respond with, go read these books and then you come up, come with, you know, come to your own conclusions, right? But I felt uncomfortable. And so I can understand why, you know, most scientists who maybe have had metaphysical, quote, metaphysical experiences might be reluctant to talk about it, particularly in a public forum. But I promise you, all of these guys and women 
are having these discussions about the nature of our reality, about aliens, about, you know, non-corporeal intelligence. Because all of these people grew up watching the same Star Trek I did. And what was great about Star Trek is that Star Trek explored non-corporeal species, like a species of entities that had evolved beyond, you know, needing a body, needing a physical form beyond matter. And that was what was so great about Star Trek. So they grew up watching that. So they have these ideas in their minds as well. And and Star Trek, once again, explored all facets, right, of reality. They, you know, some episodes even dealt with magic or what was magic, but they put a technological slant to it, which is one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite shows. So that was what I kind of said to myself to convince myself, like, just put it out there. And it's funny because like in order for me to put that video out there, I'm actually wearing a Spock shirt, right? So it was like to deflect, right? To put on this armor. Like I still believe in science, but I think that science can incorporate the metaphysical as well. Because A, if the pursuit or the underlying goal of science is to explore the nature of our reality, then we need to be willing and able to consider everything, right? We need to be willing and able to consider all aspects of reality, not just what our senses show us, which is what they're doing at CERN, right? Because there's certain like machines that they create that they use to observe, you know, subatomic particle, manipulate subatomic particles, which are, we cannot perceive, but then they create machines based on theories, right? And thought experiments. So it starts with a thought, thought experiment where they think that this is, this exists, but that we can't perceive it with our senses. So we need to build some sort of technology that allows us to see these subatomic particles or at the very least manipulated. But at the end of the day, all of that is magic. All of that is magic. So I kind of like, I would like to blend everything together. I think they kind of work with each other. I want to talk about a lot of things. <laughs> I want to talk about, let me, let me start off by reading this quote. I actually wrote notes out. So this might be a longer episode, but it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's, it's good so far. Um, I want to, I want to read something to you. Um, Got to find it. Okay. So here's the quote. The feedback loop between our eyes and our brain by which we interpret and project when we think we are merely observing. So I'll say that again. The feedback loop between our eyes and our brain by which we interpret and project when we think we are merely observing. So when we think we're observing something, we're not we are interpreting and projecting things based on our pre-programming done at institutions. You see, when you enter into this world, you are programmed to perceive reality in a particular way or to, to view reality through as Timothy Leary put it, a reality tunnel, or as I'm going to put it, as you're, you're programmed to watch this particular version of reality, like a channel. Here's a quote. When I was sent to a school to be educated, that meant that I was to be hypnotized into the tunnel reality 
of my tribe. Every politician knows how to induce hypnosis and very damn few people on the whole planet know how to dehypnotize themselves. The world is not governed by facts or logic. It is governed by belief systems. If you assemble in one room a group made of Irish Catholics, that is a belief system. German bankers, that is a belief system. French intellectuals. You see how every label defines a person and forces them into perceiving reality in a particular way? Hindu priests. Orange County Republicans. Russian bureaucrats, nudists, Buddhists, and Scientologists, none of them will be able to understand any of the others except in a dim and distorted way. Their belief systems will get into their brain, ear, eye system, and warp all perception. Language creates spooks that get into our heads and hypnotizes us. It is obvious, once one considers the subject at all, that our eyes cannot see the whole universe. Now, I would argue that our eyes actually are forced to perceive the universe in just one particular aspect of it, one particular frame, one particular tunnel, one particular channel, based on where in space-time your consciousness gets uploaded into and what avatar you get uploaded into, you are not seeing reality in the broad spectrum of it. You are only seeing a specific slice. Each individual person that falls into a particular group, every, every human being that you're interacting with is seeing just, is experiencing just a fragment of reality on the total sphere, even within consensus reality. We're not all living the same, perceiving the same reality. Once one considers the subject at all, that our eyes cannot see the whole universe, can't even see the whole room in which we happen to be sitting. Your eyes can only see what is in front of you, or a little bit to the right and to the left, not even all of that. And your eyes never see what is behind you right now. Your eyes only know the signals that it has received up to this second and do not remember all of them consciously. Nonetheless, language programs us to try to speak as if we possessed the kind of infallibility claimed by experts, claimed by the Pope, claimed by any authority figure that presents themselves and says, this is. That is, language allows us to say things like the rose is red. which looks very innocent, doesn't it? Yet in the mild hypnosis of this virtual reality, we then promptly forget that the rose is more than red, that the rose is fragrant, that it is temporary, that it will wither, that it is made of electrons and other waveforms, and that it 
is only read to creatures with eyes like ours. Every oversimplification becomes a lie. Quickly. Ergo, language always lies just because it oversimplifies. Now, those are those are direct quotes that I've integrated with my own thoughts to sort of make the information a little bit easier to take in. But those are from the book Cosmic Trigger Volume 2. Repeat that. Really sit with it. Because the first time I heard it, it really like shocked me. Like it just moved me to another level of awareness, another level of consciousness. Check this out. I'll say this again. When we think we are merely observing, our senses create problems that neither psychology nor philosophy has yet solved. As Charles Fort once pointed out, if we had no concept for horse, a man could parade a dozen horses down the street and everybody would see something else. If your mind is close to something, then your eyes will not be able to see it. Now, what is an expert? Isn't an expert an individual who has been so finely tuned into one particular and specific version of reality that they literally are incapable? If you have your PhD in something, you have spent eight years plus viewing reality through a very specific tunnel that you are incapable of seeing anything else. And so when an expert stands up and talks, they are telling you what they're professing is their version of reality, their tunnel, what, how they are seeing reality. And they're telling you this is a very highly specific perception of one aspect of reality. And yet we don't realize that. So we just take what an expert says at face value. But I keep saying that at any point in time, you can find another expert who has been watching another reality channel for eight to 10 years and will tell you, no, this is right. And they will say is with so much, like they say that shit with their chest, like they fucking know, instead of like humbling themselves and saying like, well, I don't know. But based on my observation, according to this, this very small fraction, you know, of research done with a very small representation of the entire population. We didn't interview all 300 million Americans. We took a very small section and extrapolated, basically assuming that a small section of the population actually represents 300 million people, which is basically saying that you're not an individual if you read between the lines because, well, these small groups, these small group of people how they act that we just randomly selected should be representative of you. Like you pay attention to what they're low key saying. And that is based once again on their interpretation of how science should be performed. In 50 years, a new generation of scientists are going to come out and say that was a really stupid way to perform <laughs> perform experiments and they're going to laugh at us the way we laugh at people who doctors who told their patients to smoke cigarettes or prescribed like arsenic or like gave opium to babies not that long ago 
Somehow we think we have it all figured out and that our scientists today are infallible, but that's because of the strength in which they, in which they speak. They profess their opinions and their assumptions. Well, we've done this research and it's based on blah, 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 whatever the fuck. And here's all a bunch of like bullshit to basically say, just FYI, I'm right. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Maybe... Your senses and your programming and everything that you've experienced up until this point in this institution has led you to come to that conclusion. It doesn't make it right. It just means that everything you've experienced has led you to come to that conclusion. Take their assumptions with a grain of fucking salt, please. We have absolutely no guarantee that important and obvious facts are not being screened out of our perceptions by our current dogma or dogmas rather. An expert's version of reality isn't more valid than yours. So you have people who have said, I have astral projected. You have people who have said, I've had an out-of-body experience. And then an expert comes and tells them, no, you've not. Bro, fuck out of my face. If a person says that they have, and they're, they're able to provide sufficient evidence, right? So people, for example, who have had out-of-body experiences while they've been declared brain dead have come back and said, listen, I was able to see this, that, and the other. I had no way of being able to see not even the same room from like another room. And then an expert tells them they're wrong what the expert is saying that based on their reality tunnel and what they've been programmed to think and how they've been programmed to see reality, an individual who says something that contradicts what they've been programmed to think and how they've been programmed to see reality or whatever reality channel that they're watching, they're wrong. What they're saying is your version of reality doesn't fit into my version of reality. So therefore, your version of reality is invalid. Why? Because I spent eight to 10 years in an institution telling me I'm right. So then you're wrong. That's it. You see this happen over and over again. All right. You have Eastern philosophers to come out and say and have been saying for thousands of years, reality is an illusion. And for hundreds of years, you have Western philosophers who were said, who basically said that these, you know, Eastern mystics are, are you know, superstitious and their, their perception is flawed, they're wrong, and use whatever sort of racist language that they needed to do to denigrate them. And now you have Western scientists, physicists saying the exact same thing, which I think is interesting. Very interesting. So here's an idea. I started reading a book. I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, it's a book on magic. I told you guys I'm going to be doing a dive into it. So if you want to carry along with me, if it resonates with you, cool. The book I'm reading now um, is, I'll say it again, Lieber, L-I-B-E-R, Null, and Psychonaut, An Introduction to Chaos Magic. I'm not saying I'm taking everything that is presented in this book. I'm not saying that I'm going to start practicing magic. It's not, that's not how I operate. Um, I am just, I just want to learn. I want to take in the information and I want to construct 
a different reality channel. I want to create a different reality channel than the consensus reality channel that has been shoved down my brain. Right? I want to change the channel. But in it, actually not just that book, I've mentioned other books in the past, um, books on magic in the past, um, but the author talks about invoking entities. Now, we call them gods, but they're not gods, right? If we're all, you can't talk out of both sides and say we're all one, we're all God, we're all one, you know, fragmented collective consciousness having, you know, individual experiences, but we're all God. And then turn around and then also say like this entity, um, Yahweh or whatever is also God. Like, no, it's not. If it's basically, well, I want to like jump back. Um, the reason why Brian Greene doesn't want to say that this world appears to have been created is because he doesn't want to be seen as a Christian. But the two are mutually exclusive. You can say that this world is a simulation and was created. I, I believe it was created by a coalition of humans, or I should say consciousness that are presently occupying human form. That's what we really are. But there's different like committees. You could see it's like the same people. You have like different groups of people that were in charge of like painting the sky. It's what I love about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The movie is good too, where they actually show that there's like different groups, um, engineers, and some were charged with you know making oceans, and some were create making creatures and things like that. But you see a uniformity. This didn't happen randomly. It takes more fucking believe <laughs> like to, to believe that all of this just like magically came into place and like there was like a designer or a group of designers um and that this is a simulation but you don't you don't have to think that the world has been designed intentionally um by an intelligence intentionally intelligence you don't have to believe that or accept that or consider that and also like automatically accept the bible the two are mutually exclusive like the bible is not the only like quote authority on intelligent design please understand once again it's just one cult one pagan religion the way you know um well (laughs) all of the mythologies are they're just belief systems that human beings constructed. They're just stories that human being constructed. I think it's interesting that a lot of storytellers ended up starting their own religions, like L. Ron Hubbard. Um, and then the other one that started the Mormon church. They're just stories that people come up with to explain reality. And then other people take their beliefs and attach it to these stories and now they form their own, they, they form a new religious like um reality channel and then that's they that's how they perceive reality. Reality isn't one fixed thing. There's a bunch of different channels. Think of it like like literally like like channels. So I like it because there's different you can change it. So there's some people who are living in like sci-fi reality. There's some people who are living in like romance or fiction or whatever like they're just they're different channels i'm I'm obviously like trying to get it so i can explain it um i don't literally mean like sci-fi reality but who knows like who knows i mean gosh uh i stumbled across actually somebody commented 
and I went down this like rabbit hole of how like melanin is being utilized in the creation of computer chips. And you can Google this. And then I saw another article that was basically saying that like now they're using melanin because melanin generates electricity. Um, I am a little worried as to where they're getting it from. Um, but that's not, I, I want to stay on topic here. That's maybe a different episode. Um, but apparently... Uh, the government is also also now using melanin to create weapons, which begs the question, who exactly are they creating this weapons against? Like, like what happens to just regular like guns? Like, why do you need weapons and um, armor that's made out of melanin that can generate electricity? Like, that's weird to me. So the people who are clearly working on those sort of things that the rest of us aren't even privy to, the rest of us existing in like the consensus, like the big reality channel, like the stuff that like they show us on the news, right? There's not, there's like, there's other aspects of reality that we're not even like aware of. Like, look at it, like, think of it like TikTok. So you have TikTok. Think of TikTok as overarching like reality, right? But my feed is going to be completely different from your feed, is going to be completely different from the next person's feed. Like there's, because it's tailored, reality is tailored to my mind. Just like the algorithm is tailored to things that I like or I find interesting. Reality is tailored to things you've been programmed with and exposed to. So if you want to have a different reality experience, which is why I read so much, you have to expose your mind to new things because that will affect your reality experience. So if you don't think synchronicities are possible, if you don't think that the that the the simulation itself is intelligent and, and intelligent and can communicate with you, I have like on record go to go back to 2020 where I had the most insane synchronistic events and it's it's stored now. It's recorded and cataloged on this podcast. At the first I think it's like the first few months the first two, three episodes of 2020, down to predicting, quote, predicting when uh, the shutdown and uh, lockdown was going to occur. I didn't realize I was predicting anything. But one of the things that I love and enjoy about this podcast is that I can go back. I mean, you guys are just kind of listening to my experiences, but I can go back and listen to where I was. And I've said some dumb shit. Like there's a part of me that there's some episodes I've taken down, but some other episodes I can't find where I've said dumb shit. And there's a part of me that, that like goes like somebody's going to like pull up some shit and like attempt to cancel me for things that I said in the past. Like at one time I had said something like, because I went to London and I didn't, personally experienced any racism so I was like well I I think that they have it better over there than we do like because I live here um and my, my ignorance at that time was based on I mean it was ignorance it wasn't willful uh but it was ignorance it was just based on my experience as an American and a tourist who also is like six foot tall right and it was only in like a certain section of London so I just said like America, we need to get it together and be more like, you know, the Brits. And I totally did not, or I was completely way off. And now more and more, I'm like, holy shit, like I was way off, right? Um, so like, but the, but you learn and we're living in society now that will 
attempt to find any mistake or misspeaking that any human being can make and retroactively go like go back in time and try to like throw away an entire individual because of any sort of mistakes that they've made um and this usually happens you know out of like just jealousy or whatever i i don't honestly understand why we do that um i would say probably it's the ego it just wants to destroy um but i i i've learned a lot since then and i've talked to people um and learn from people who are like, no, no, no. It's just a quiet racism. Um, it's loud as fuck in America, so it's it's like overt. But over there, it was quiet. Although over since the last two years, um, it certainly has gotten louder, especially with the whole like Meghan Markle thing. But I was perceiving reality through a particular reality channel based on my experiences. But then the more I started to expose myself to more information, the channel began to widen and to change, right? The tunnel became less out of tunnel and became wider and wider. So this is why if it's something that is sacrilegious, so somebody who a child who grew up in a Christian home, right, to, you know, in my 30s, start reading books on magic, not to practice, I'm not, I'm just not there, but to learn. Because in these books, they're, they're written by people who have also broken free of their reality channels. Because a lot of the time, these people who are writing these books were also raised Christian. So clearly, they had to have broken out of a particular perception of reality. And so they're, they're going to have observations that I don't have access to until I pick up their book and I read it and listen to what they have to say. But that opens my tunnel. So I'm going to expose myself more to that. Um, but in that book, they talked about egregores. I've mentioned it before, but he does, this particular guy talks about invoking um, archetypical gods. But I don't think of a god the way we've been programmed by Christianity to think of a god as something that created us. Because bear in mind, everything in this reality is inverted. I'll say this three times. Every, this is a mirror universe. Everything in this reality is inverted. Everything in this reality is inverted. God did not create us. We are all collectively God. We are collectively one consciousness having experiences in different form. We created gods. They're the stories that we believed. And these entities discussed in these books feed off of belief. They feed off of sacrifice. Now, a sacrifice, like think about the Incans, Incas rather, and think about the Romans and think about the, the Vikings and the Norse and the Celts and, and, the, and the Israelites and the Egyptians. This was something consistent throughout all of these religions was some sort of sacrifice. Now, I would argue that the sacrifice was still just more of a demonstration of belief. So you're feeding your energy to these non-corporeal entities. How many times have I said, you are a non-corporeal entity that has a form. You should not be afraid of other non-corporeal entities without form. But in this mirror fucking universe, we are we elevate things that we cannot see as greater than us. The things that cannot take material form, we elevate them for no reason. But I think that these things, whatever they are, these non-corporeal parasites, they're parasites. 
This is one of the reasons why I will not practice this stuff. And when I tell you guys to read about it, I just want you to know what's out there to inform yourself. I certainly would not encourage you to practice it because I think you open yourself up, in my opinion. And even in these books, they say the same thing that these things can attach to you and feed off of your energy. So I don't, I'm not interested in anything, opening myself up to any parasite that could feed off of my energy and my belief. So just be mindful of that. I'm certainly not encouraging you to do this. This is more if you are curious and interested and want to expand your reality tunnel to see what is being set. Because you pick up a book like these books, you're going to learn something for sure. But you're also going to learn how a lot of these like people who do believe in these things. And to this day, you see ritual sacrifices happening right in front of us on the media on an international scale, these gods, these entities that we call gods that people throughout millennia have fed with their collective belief, they're fed their energy through, through their collective belief. They require sacrifices, which is just essentially a physical or material demonstration of your belief in them and their power. That's it. That's all they siphon energy. But look at the war now in Russia. Ukraine started for no reason because one entity believed that they are, quote, right and they are righteous and they have the blessing of their, quote, God, which is once again, it's just an overfed, pot bellied egregore that has collectively fed on the minds of humanity and human beings for the past 2,000 years. Read these books so you can understand and then think about how an egregore could be fed over millennia and what kind of destruction it can do on great, like across the board. And you'll start to understand history from a different reality channel. You'll start to perceive history through a different reality tunnel. It's a, the God in the Bible the God of the three Abrahamic religions that we all know, the three prominent religions in this reality, in this universe, they all serve the same entity, the same egregores, something that was created by a small group of people. Remember I said, didn't have billions of people thousands of years ago. So a small clan of people created this like thought form and somehow it has become this thing that is now worship as God. It's a war spirit, parasite, and it requires sacrifice. And that's why we keep having wars. They're non-corporeal entities, non-physical entities that we cannot perceive that attach to a collective, to a group, through a belief system, which is why you have to be mindful of what you believe. That's why I started this episode. Don't accept what I say, I am not an expert. I'm sharing ideas. But look around. How many women, how many children, how many men, how many soldiers, how many people have been devastated in this specific reality? Because I don't imagine this shit is happening across 
the multiverse. So we can only speak about this reality. How much death and devastation and, and pain. Even to go back, to pull it back to the colonizers, they were serving their egregore that they call God. Mitch Horowitz wrote, writes about this. I don't remember which books, but I think it's like a cult America. I could be wrong, but he basically said that it was a religious war. It's always been religious. The people who went to other countries, the first thing they did was they brought in, they, they were coming in, watch Vikings. They were coming in with the belief that their egregore, that they had elevated as God, as their gods, which is backwards and insane. Um, it's a bit of like madness. And they believed that this was a, a, it was a battle between whose God was more powerful, whose egregore was more powerful. So they, when they came to, to America, they felt that this was their land as ordained by their egregore, AKA their God. Read the Bible. It's there. It's a war God and it requires sacrifice. But it's not really God, is it? Because we are all one. We're the ones who are actualizing these experiences. And that's why they, we are hypnotized largely. The collective is hypnotized into perceiving reality in a specific way because that benefits a small sect of people who are still operating or are hypnotized by this entity that's feeding off of their minds. Like I said, I don't want to make this a racial thing because it's not. Although it does seem like there's a specific group of people who happen to be of a particular race. But that doesn't mean that everybody of that particular race is, you know, is guilty. Because understand that the people who went on this crusade, who killed countless of I don't even want to call them witches because that's such a negative connotation, although I think they're trying to reclaim it, um, reclaim the nerves. Um, I'm sorry, reclaim the name. Those quote, women and men, let's say, what, you know, magical practitioners that were killed and tortured and brutalized just for exerting some level of will, uh, attempting to exert their level of will over their reality experience. They were killed and they were they were. They came in all colors, right? Their, their bodies came, their avatars came in all colors. And so what we're seeing, what we've seen throughout history is, I, I'm saying this is, fuck it, I'm going to say it. There is a small sect of people who have been infected. Read the book, well, I, the magic book. I'll say it again. I'll say the title one more time. Read it, not to practice, but to learn. Liber, Null, and Psychonaut is the name of the book. There's a small sect of people who I think have had this sort of egregore attached to them and they've lost control of the, of the egregore. My guess is they obviously they were not the ones who, who created it, but it has kind of become its own sort of thing and it's controlling them. As that book warns that you need to, like it will, it can become its own thing and it's non-corporeal. It's non-physical. Remember I said, 95% of the things that you perceive that are, that are out there, we cannot perceive through the limitations of our five senses. So there's a small sect of people who have been infected with this mindset. They think they are right. 
and they think that this world is theirs and the rest of us are to be subjugated to their will because they serve their egregore that they have now called a god. Which over time, yeah, an egregore that has lost, that has that no that no longer is controlled by the group who initially manifested it can become its own thing and can become like a god, especially if it's treated like such. And that's what I see. That's what I'm seeing happening. And I've had people ask, like, what, what is it? How do you how do we stop this? Well, at the end of the day. Probably one of the most controversial things I've said, um, but at the end of the day, these things feed off energy. A great show, American Gods. And I'm going to keep saying this. These are just theories and stories. So this is a reality check. All right. Don't believe Everything I'm saying, I'm just giving you information. Do with the information what you will. I'm going to jump back. American God. It's a good show, good book. Um, But they talk about how these gods feed off of belief. So my thing is, if an entity needs your belief in it to survive, isn't that a fucking parasite? It's a parasite. It's a parasite. It's feeding off of your belief. Anyway, I'll leave that. What we call magic is simply affecting our will or exerting our will. It's the exertion of will over reality and over yourself. That's magic. That's it. Any exertion of will over reality and over yourself is magic. Medicine, surgery, Working out, glamour, makeup, any attempt, attempts to break an addiction, any attempt to change your mind, change your brain. Microdosing, what do you think that is? It's magic. Enchantments, spells, rituals, things like that. These are all just placebos that allow you to believe in something so that you can exert your will. So if I told you, you can have X, Y, and Z happen. You just have to will it so. You may not be willing to accept what I said, but if I said, hey, if you perform these particular steps in 30 days, if you do this, this, and this ritual in 30 days, you will get what you want. If you cannot believe in yourself and your own ability to do something, I can present you a set of rituals that can allow you to channel your belief through certain arbitrary steps in order to get you to the result that you want. That's it. That's it. Now, I'm kind of reading off my notes because all the things I wanted to talk about in this episode. Um, I wrote, you're not channeling Like, you're not prophesizing. So a lot of people say, have asked me um, specifically, they say that they dream of the future. They have a dream and then it ends up happening. Um, I want to address that in this episode, even though I've kind of commented, I think, and I might have mentioned in previous episodes, but I'll say it here. As I said in the last episode, outside of your body, you are an all-knowing being. You're a fracture, you're a fractal, rather, of 
a collective intelligence, right? An all-knowing entity that's entangled with itself. So outside of it, outside of this form that limits you, that performs a limiting function on your consciousness, you as pure consciousness have access to any other information that any other consciousness inhabiting other forms has because you are like a fractal of a god, a collective consciousness. That's what we are. That's what we are. That's what we are. That's what, that's what has been said since the beginning of time. God experiencing itself. Okay? Now, to pull in a quote from Einstein, time is relative, the flow of time is an illusion, all of time is happening at, no, at once. So, if, you're collect, if your consciousness is an all-knowing entity that's entangled with other consciousness as one, right? So it's a singular, singular consciousness in different forms as, the, as an electron. Single electron theory is a single electron in different forms existing simultaneously. Then you, outside of your form, which the form is meant to limit, has access to everything that will happen. Now, the brain limits. Every time you have... Every time you leave your body while you sleep, every time your consciousness exits, when it comes back into the body, when you, right before you're waking up, grab a piece of paper and write shit down. Because what, what, what's happening is that there's a little leak. There's a little leak of information that kind of comes through right before you put on the suit of the avatar. You're not channeling information from, you know, it's you. You had all the information outside of your body right before you re-upload. You can capture little fragments of the information right before you come back and become con- like wake up in this reality. And sometimes that those bits of information, your mind, your brain rather, will take those bits of information and construct the story out of it. Because once again, the purpose of your brain is to limit you. You are in- intentionally being limited by coming in here into this world. The function of this world is to limit you. This is why I don't think it's a prison. I think it's an intent it's intentionally designed. But obviously my theory. Just a theory. Right? So right when you wake up, right, write shit down because what's happening is there's a little space between you be you being the un the all knowing consciousness that you are. And then becoming a mortal being again when you re-upload into this into this reality, into this dimension rather. There's a little space where every like what will happen kind of seeps through. Everything all at once. Everything everywhere all at once. You have access to that information. And right between sleep and awake, there's a little fragment of, of space time that you can sort of have access to information. And your brain will construct sort of quick narratives out of it, turn it into dreams. Remember I said that so a lot of people have been commenting, well, what if you don't dream? Dreams have nothing to do with it. The dreams are your brain trying to make sense of the fragments of information that you're bringing back. And it will construct a story out of it. Because remember, everything even in this world is a representation of what actually is there. So even this world is kind of a dream. There's a book, What is Real, that illustrates this perfectly. I would suggest that you check it out. So even this world, everything is just, they're just icons. So the same thing, your brain does what it does, which is to create narratives, because that's exactly what happens in this world. But it also constructs icons out of information. 
That is a function of your brain. So if you're coming in from information from a fourth dimension or from the future, or from the past, or from a different reality, and you're coming back into this world, you're going to be coming back with bits of information. Your brain will try to construct a narrative out of it. It's just doing its job, though, because its function is to limit your consciousness. Might be worth re-listening to this episode. So that particularly dense one, but I wanted to make sure I got all this, you know, got the information down and recorded before I move on to um, some more books and sharing that with you. So here's what I wrote in my notes. Science is dogma. Experts are full of shit. <laughs> we are living in a dystopia. Ah, this is interesting and I need to share this. Oh, I also wrote everything is a lie. We are we're forced into a specific perception of reality. Um, I want to read this and I'll go back to the dystopia. If your mind is restricted by dogma, then you will literally be blind to what you don't want to see or what you don't think is possible. I said it earlier, but it's worth repeating. The most cherished, the most cherished principles are the greatest lies. Can you handle freedom? Ooh, that's good. Can you handle freedom? The freedom to change your mind, the freedom to change your reality experience, the freedom to change the channel. Let's talk about dystopias. Remember I said that this world is a dystopia, but the fourth dimension is a utopia, so we toggle between and that's okay. Now, the way I can calmly say this is a dystopia without sort of being pessimistic is because it is, but I think that every shadow has a light. So if this is a shadow world, then we serve our time here and then we exit. But I think it's important to, to understand and accept that we're in a dystopia. Why? Because hope is dangerous. I've always, 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 always asked this question. Why was hope in Pandora's box of evil? They, they told us that story for a reason. Why was it in a box of evil? And I'll leave you with this. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you the story. Donald Trump, when he was running for president, people kept saying, well, there's no way he's going to win. Right? Because people kept thinking that this world was not the kind of world where something like that would happen. We're deluding ourselves. Right? We were perceiving a specific reality tunnel. So we saw that that, that that couldn't be possible. Just because you don't think something is possible doesn't mean it's not possible. Reality doesn't give a fuck what you think. It was certainly possible. He was one of two candidates that were on the ballot. So there was a probability that he would have won. Now, if you take a step back and look throughout history, look at the, the, the let's go all the way back, the Great Depression, slavery. Spanish Inquisition, the witch trials, World War I, One War II, bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Vietnam War. Are you noticing a pattern here? Misogyny. Are you noticing a pattern? Segregation. When has this world ever been a fucking utopia? You see, the problem with hope is that if you say, so I'm going to talk about the whole melanin thing, right? So I had somebody comment when I said, where are they getting a fucking melanin from? 
Because I, before I asked that question, I hit up Google and I couldn't find a straightforward answer. I found one article that was like, they get it from chickens and vegetables and shit like that. But get the fuck out of here. The most obvious when you think about melanin, what's the first thing that popped into your mind? It's a person of color. Now, an individual commented and she shared an article and she was like, I found this one article that says it comes from chickens. So, you know, don't worry about it. And my response was like, yeah, thanks. All right. Because what you're doing is you're giving me hope. And you're basically showing me, you're saying like, hey, what you're thinking could possibly be happening, it's not possible that it could happen because they would do the right thing and try to extract, you know, melanin from, you know, chickens and stuff. Like that would be the right thing. If we lived in a different world, yes, I could could take that. But the fact that she had to dig to find that article makes me not hopeful. And the problem with hope is that if I would have accepted that and gone, oh, well, she found this one fucking article, then that means that my, my fears are just, you know, let me, let me put aside my fears, then I would, I would have blinded by accepting that belief system that she was attempting to share with me because she doesn't think that that shit is possible. This was not uh, a black woman. So she doesn't, she doesn't live in a reality tunnel where that's possible. But just because you don't live in a reality, pos- uh, reality tunnel where something like that could happen, where the government could actually experiment on people, <laughs> right? just because you, you, it's not on the forefront of your reality experience, that doesn't mean that it's not out there in another reality channel and actually happening. They're not going to come on the news and tell you that all those people that have gone missing or all these like countries that people are like getting like massacred. I'm not going to go in the news and tell you if the news isn't telling you something. Most people don't even accept that it's happening. If an expert doesn't come out and tell you this is what's going on. Nobody even accepts that it's possible. And if an expert comes out and tells you it's not possible, then that's it. Your mind has been closed. So it's really tempting to be hopeful because if she says that, she says, oh, it comes from chicken, chickens, then I go, oh, okay, I hope you're right. And then I feel that sense of relief. My, that mind, that, that window to that, that probability, right? That the same government that like fucking performed experiments on people would not think to, you know, utilize the bodies of brown and black people in their experiments. Henrietta Sachs comes to mind, but we'll just leave that. I think that was maybe, let's just say that that's a fluke, right? The Tuskegee experiments, let's just say that's a fluke. Like literally, no. You have to understand and accept that the people who have systemically and systematically lied to us from birth and have shaped history and like just, just, a program hypnotized the masses into perceiving one specific reality tunnel that benefits them where they're the good guys. They're capable of anything. But if I chose to hope, then I close my mind to a probability. And then I, le- I rest on my laurels. And then I do nothing about it. I don't speak on it. 
I doubt my own perception. I say, oh, well, I guess it comes from chickens. So there's nothing for me to worry, worry my little, pretty little head about. Our entire civilization is built on a foundation of the illusion of competency. Our entire civilization is built on a foundation of the illusion that we know the truth. That everything we are told about this world is true. And the people who consistently lie to us, we still somehow hope that when they do come out with something else, we hope that this is the time that they tell us the truth. I'll leave you with this. I saw an ad yesterday for the company Calm. Calm. You guys know what Calm is, right? They do the meditative stuff. Anyway, the ad said, learn to ignore negative thoughts. That, that was the ad. Learn to ignore negative thoughts. Not stop thoughts. Learn to ignore negative thoughts. It was interesting to me. Because at this point, we all have to acknowledge that we are not our thoughts. Right? So on some level, for a company to run an ad that says, learn to ignore negative thoughts, then they're admitting that there is a significant section of the population. They're not channeling that ad. That ad is not for schizophrenics. That ad is for the average person. Because obviously that's how they make money, right? They're, they're specifically targeting the average person. Learn to ignore negative thoughts. You're acknowledging in that, that one, The majority of people have thoughts that are negative that they cannot stop. Because it doesn't say learn to stop it. They're not offering you that because it's not something that they can do. Which means it's not easy to do. There's nobody out there with a product beyond just sitting and meditating. There's nobody yet who's come up with a product that stops thought. Now, if you controlled your thought... If you were in charge of your thoughts, why would you need an ad or a program or a product to teach you to ignore it? Not to, not to, it's not even saying to stop it, to teach you to ignore it. If you have to learn to ignore negative thoughts, then you aren't the one creating the thoughts. And those are the same thoughts that influence you. So let me get this straight. Most of humanity is plagued with a negative disembodied voice that they, society at large, the institution, they've told us, they've taught us, they've told us that is you. That is your quote, internal monologue. The origins of which we can only speculate but we must learn to ignore. It's fucking weird, isn't it? You're acknowledging that the majority of human beings are being plagued by a disembodied voice, a non-corporeal voice that causes suffering. Like Google this shit, internal monologue, negative thoughts, negative thinking, invasive thoughts, intrusive thoughts. That's what causes depression. That's what causes people to react. That's what causes 
99% of the chaos and disagreements and the arguments that we have with each other. It's not you. Who are you without your thoughts? I asked a friend of mine this the other day. And they were like, I don't know, because it's constantly going. But what did I just say? Like, there's an acknowledgement there that you're not the one generating their thoughts. Your thoughts are just coming. They're just entering. Now, you can learn to ignore it as the ad, you know, suggests. And you can learn to ignore it. But that's weird, right? That's a weird product to sell. Like, imagine if I said... Um, so a person has like an STD or something like that, right? And the ad says, learn to ignore <laughs> the symptoms of like an STD. Like that, isn't that weird? You're, you're basically saying the only solution that you can offer me is to ignore the symptoms of something that is obviously a problem to the majority of human beings. Without acknowledging where are they fucking coming from. But the materialists want to tell you that it's being generated by your brain or whatever the fuck. My solution, my answer to that is that, um, one, you can absolutely learn to stop those thoughts. But the first thing you must acknowledge is that you are not the one generating those thoughts. Stop identifying with your internal monologue. We're all fucking mad here. But we don't have to be. You see, I have now learned compassion for people by understanding and acknowledging that those same, those same thoughts that drive me to do things that I later regret are the same thoughts, that same internal monologue, that same voice, whatever the fuck it is. Because we don't know what it is. I mean, we can make up you know stories it, it's your left brain that's you know verbal and it's based on conditioning and programming from eh remember what i said about experts and they just say it is this right the rose is red you don't know it's better to say based on their experiments and findings this is what it appears to be but there is a chance that they are wrong because ultimately their reality is shaped by their sensory experiences, which are limiting by design. Every single person you're interacting with is fighting that internal monologue. And sometimes, a lot of the times, that internal monologue is controlling them. But obviously, if your internal monologue is not you, to the point where it causes you stress and depression and moodiness and anger and causes you to react in ways that you later on regret or say things that you don't really want to say or like it drives you to feel a certain type of way think about all the battles that you've had with your internal monologue especially the more aware you become of it particularly with with meditating watch when you sit and you go i'm just going to repeat a mantra for 10 minutes and then here come here comes talking all this shit it's clearly not you understand other people are dealing with the same thing other people are dealing with the same thing other people are fighting the same voice, that same internal monologue. Once you let that in and understand that, look, everybody's got that same thing that they're battling. It's not them. It's not their consciousness that's causing them to act like that. It's that voice, that negative thought, that negative voice, that disembodied voice that's speaking to everybody. I call it warm tongue. 
I used it on the analogy from Lord of the Rings. It whispered to the king, crippled him. Everybody's walking around with that, that voice. You see one person, but it's two. Sometimes when a person reacts at you, take a step back and realize that's not you. That's not them, rather. That's their internal monologue. That's the voice of their ego. And the ego being the avatar that their consciousness has been uploaded into, it has its own intelligence and it tends to swear, swear, it tends to sway the individual towards chaos and suffering and fear. If that doesn't make you more compassionate, I don't know what will. Thanks for listening.